This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. Hey folks, it's Vince the Evil DM, the podfather of OSR Podcasting, back with another episode of the Evil DM Podcast, RFI Mini number two. So I was looking through the book uh, after the last episode and continuing along with my read and going over things slowly. This is obviously one of my favorite books, not my favorite book, but one of the favorite books in my library. I always go back to AD&D 1E when I get bored of games, kind of like a palette cleanser type game for me i play other games and i'm just like you know what i get that urge just to you know relive those fantasies from the 80s back when we played dungeons and dragons advanced dungeons and dragons in the park and it was just a fun time and everybody had a great time and there wasn't any bullshit like there is today with D and obviously information was not readily available and it was fun to have that mystery about certain things. I remember spending an entire summer looking for a sorcerer class because I didn't have access to the books. So, and there was no internet in the eighties. Well, not really BBSs and everything like that, but not like we have it these days where I could just type in sorcerer class and boom, it comes up. But looking through the book, I was looking at character abilities. And obviously we all know about character abilities, throwing 3d6 and adding them together and assigning them or doing it straight down or rolling 4d6. Again, if you hear that background noise, that's the fridge in the office. And I apologize, deal with it. And there is, it says to roll the range of these abilities are between 3 and 18, right? The premise of the game is each player or character is above average and at least in some respects has a superior potential. Furthermore, it is usually essential to the character's survival to be exceptional with a rating of 15 or above in no fewer than two ability characteristics. Each ability score is determined by a random ger- number generation. Now, that leads me to wonder how... The chances of rolling a 15 or above are very slim, especially to get two in a row or two out of those six combinations of rolling. So is Gary telling us here that as a DM, you should let the players roll the 3D6 or whatever method you're using. Generally, 3D6 is what the method is, or one of those 66 weird methods. But mostly everybody used 3D6. Some people use 4D6, drop the lowest, which give you a better chance of getting a 15 or higher. But generally, if you played with people during that time frame, they only did 3D6. And a lot of times, the DN was a straight shoot down. And you weren't allowed to assign it as you wanted to. And if you did have a DM that allowed you to sign it to, assigned to you, you had to keep the roles as they were. So there was no mixing and matching things. Like some DMs would allow you to roll 3d6 and assign them straight down, but then he would allow you to take a couple points off of one and we add it to the other. I had a Joe, the DM, Nick, Q, Nick music in the background. He would allow us to, when we rolled our stats up, was 3d6 straight down. Let us do the minus two off of one attribute and add one to another. Fair, right? No, not really. 
but that's how he did it. And we played that way for many years. Now, looking at what Gary's saying here with a rating of 15 or above and no less than two ability characteristics, chances are you are not going to get that and you're going to have to keep rolling again and again. So as a DM, should you look at a character and grant them a 15 or above and at least two abilities if they don't have anything that's high? Say I roll up a character and the highest number is a 16. The rest of my numbers are 12s, 10s, maybe 13. Should I, as a DM, raise one of those up to a 15 just to be make sure the character is exceptional? It's a question to think about, and it's something to think about how it would affect your game. Would it really affect your game in a bad way if you boosted a player's character attributes up to a 15 in two abilities? No, I don't think it would put much of a difference in the game. I mean, if a player rolled, uh, let's say, 16, uh, 12, 10, so on and so forth, I would easily raise something, maybe take the lowest number out of all of them and raise that to a 15 and let them assign it wherever they want to. That's another thing. Letting people assign it where they want to or doing a straight roll. Doing a straight roll really puts you in a corner and not it does not let you play the classes that you want to play. Because remember, when we played this game like it was, it was always you had to try to match the, the race and the class that you wanted to be. It wasn't you just roll your stats up and pick wherever you want to go. You had to fix your numbers to make sure they meet you know, being an elf, being a dwarf, being whatever you want to be, being this certain class that you want to be. And another thing, why? Let's let's talk about strength and male versus female. Now, humans had no real barriers on there, according to the first edition core rulebook. I'm not talking about anything else. Had no real barriers on whether there's a minimum or maximum for them, I believe. And he, all the races, the, the demi-human races and uh, other races, all had mins and max to them. Was this because uh, there was a maximum? So, yes, male and female. I'm just I wanted to make sure before I went forward on this. But, yes, male and female had pretty much the same maximum strength. No, well, yeah, females can only go up to 18 slash 50. Males can go to... Uh, a little bit higher than that. So, the point is, why was Gary saying that demi-human races, female-wise, were less stronger than the male counterparts? Now, is it scientific fact that women are genetically not as strong as men? Maybe. But why would it only be dwarves, elves, whatever, gnomes, things like that, be the only ones that actually suffer from this? And sometimes in weird ways. Why wouldn't they have maybe dexterity issues? Why wouldn't they have, I don't know, intelligence issues? What about, I don't know, constitution? Maybe men are more have more constitution than women. Maybe women have better constitution than men. Maybe women are more nimble and more dexterous. Dexterous. Wow, I can't say that word. Dexterous than men. I don't know. It's just these some of the things you have to think about when you look at this book and look at it from this point of view back then. 
what were the reasons behind these things? And I don't care, honestly. That's what the book says. I don't like it. I won't play with it, but I'm not going to run out there and, you know, protest on Twitter about it because I'm not a moron. Who cares? It's the book. This book that he gave us is a guideline. If I don't like something that's written in the book, I change it. And I tell my group, obviously, I'm not going to play with that rule. We're going to play with this rule. And generally, most groups will be like, oh, okay, no problem. So when, after looking at this, I would probably say that you probably want to change these things and, and make it more useful to you. Make the game your own, enjoy the game, and stop going out there bitching. It's a fantasy game. All right. I'm going to head out for today. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to uh, head over to Anchor, leave me a voicemail, and tell me what you think about these things. Also, you can go to ask the, uh, I'm sorry, theevildm.com and click on email me. Or ask the DM at the evildm.com is my email address, which you can go through the website. Theevildm.com slash support is where you can support me. Remember, keep it original, keep it old school. And I'm going to say goodnight to everybody. Good night. <laughs>